But while all of that stuff is going on and while people are still trying to make sense out of the midterms, now is a very important time because before this dead, uh, lame, or excuse me, this lame duck Congress ends and the new Congress is sworn in, which will be with a slight and slim Republican majority in the House, they're going to try to do as much damage as possible. One piece of legislation. Uh, that is being pushed right now that they're trying to uh, get done this week is the Respect for Marriage Act. And you might think to yourself, Bob, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with respecting marriage? That sounds like a good thing. It's kind of like the Defense of Marriage Act back in the Clinton era, right? That's a good thing. No, it's not. And joining me now to discuss it is somebody who has written a very important, impassioned, and detailed argument against this and why we need to contact every senator immediately to tell them not to vote for this. Tabitha Walter is the executive director of EagleForum.com, and she joins us now to tell us about the Respect for Marriage Act. Tabitha, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. They sound alike, right? Defensive marriage, respect for marriage. They sound like, yay, this is a good thing. Let's everybody vote. Who could possibly oppose respecting marriage? That's, I think they play games with the names of these acts sometimes so that they can, you know, try to trick people into thinking they're something that they're not. Can you tell us more about what the Respect for Marriage Act really is? Oh, absolutely. So we don't call it the Respect for Marriage Act. We call it the Disrespect for Marriage Act because that's exactly what it does. Now, it does harken back to the Clinton-era Defense of Marriage Act, but it repeals it, which is absolutely unnecessary because we've had two Supreme Court cases that repealed that, um, that legislation. And so what they're doing, what the Democrats are doing, is they're posturing and they're trying to play to a base. Now, this was a political maneuver before the elections because they wanted to boost their outcomes. But now they're kind of pigeonholed because they've promised their base this, and now they're um, half-heartedly pushing it forward during a lame duck session, which we all know that a lame duck session is only mischief. So um, that's how they're kicking off the lame duck is pushing this Disrespect for Marriage Act forward. Um, So what they've done is a few different things. Um, The House passed version does not have any religious exemptions. So that means every single individual, organization, church, and uh, religious institution will have to recognize same-sex marriages. Now, the Senate didn't have the votes to push that forward. So they decided to introduce their own version, which includes some religious carve-outs. However, this is only pertaining to religious institutions. So that means the cake baker, the florist, the photographer— they all are subject to this law that would force them to provide their services for events and ceremonies that they morally and religious, religiously don't believe in. So, How, how does the language in the Senate version of this, how does this language differentiate between a religious institution and somebody's religious convictions? It's, it's only for specifically religious institutions. So that means... Um, uh, institutions that have the tax status of being a church or they're pushing forward Christian education or some type of religious education. So when you're a cake baker and that's not your main goal, it, you, you're thrown under the bus. And so 
I, I feel like right. there would be legal challenges to that. I apologize for the intrusion. I just want to kind of, sure. car, you know, get into this, this carve out a little bit here because, you know, if if they give the protection to the religious institution, how does that not filter to the parishioners of said religious institution? If you're giving the exemption to the church and somebody is a mm-hmm. member of the church, can you make a member of that church violate that, you know, their 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 religious conscience and do something against their faith, regardless of whether it's in private life or in in their business uh, business. Uh, Feelings. Right, and and that's what we're seeing play out, you know, throughout the years, especially when it comes to um, nuns who who participate in these organizations that are still religious, but aren't necessarily pushing forward religious education. And mm-hmm. so, I I would totally agree with you that if you are a member of a church, you are acting on behalf of the church at all times, but. The federal government doesn't see it that way. They think that if you are employed by the church, you're fine. But if you're employed by another business or if you're an independent business, then you're not covered anymore by our constitutional right for religious freedom. Yeah, and that's what makes this so dangerous. And, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of spell it out because, you know, what is a church? But it's parishioners. There is no church mm-hmm. if there are not a group of people who want to come together and share their faith. Uh, you can have a preacher, a pastor, a, a deacon, a rabbi, or anybody else in front in front of a an empty pulpit. Is that the church? No, the church is the people in it. And if the people in it are forced to um, abdicate their own, you know, religious uh, convictions, um, then obviously you are attacking the church itself. So, um, right. you know, which which should be protected by these carve-outs that you're talking about. But anyway, uh, please continue. What else does this um, Senate bill? Because you know you were in your piece that i read uh you know you wrote about not only the uh, attack on religious freedom here as we're discussing right now but there's really an attack on the first amendment too let's let's get into that yes absolutely so um you know i work for eagle forum which is a nonprofit organization and so we have strong beliefs that marriage is between one man and one woman mm-hmm. however um we do not fall under a religious institution and so we could be targeted by the IRS. We are um, our financial status and things like that because we have a differing opinion than maybe our federal government does, and, and that's what we're we're seeing the federal government do is is put guardrails on freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and it's so dangerous for whoever's in charge at the time to redefine things like marriage. Um, and so this is, this bill would allow them to come back to the redefinite, redefinition of marriage over and over again. And it would completely contradict our view on marriage. And so mm-hmm. we are not just fighting for the individual freedoms, but for organizations to still have a voice as well. Yeah, that's that's extraordinarily important. Uh, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Tabitha Walter. She's the executive director of Eagle Forum. She's a graduate of Marshall University, by the way, bachelor's degree there, and also a magna cum laude master's degree in political science. So she's uh, she's got the the, the knowledge. Tabitha, um, when when I when I when I look at the DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, and when I look mm-hmm. at the fact that it was lifted by Obergefell, I've been I've really never heard anybody answer this question. And I'll see if you can. If they can change the definition of marriage, which was defined under DOMA as a marriage between one man and one woman, which is traditional, cultural, religious, and so forth, um, 
If, why is the change only from man and woman to potentially man and man and woman and woman? Why, if it does, if it no longer holds that it's one man and one woman, why can't the change be in the number? Why can't it be between two men and one woman, one woman and two, or one man and two women, or three and one, or whatever? We are all in equal love with one another. Does this not? Uh, it, does Obergefell and does this now Respect for Marriage Act not essentially legalize polygamy? Because if they're saying that one man and one woman no longer applies, why are we only focused on the sexes and not on the on the on the number of people involved? Right, and and that's always been our question: is why one group of people and why not the other when it comes to leftist thinking? Uh, but of course, we can't get in their minds because we have right thinking. <laughs> so. Um, but this opens that door, doesn't it? Doesn't this particular Senate bill and, and uh, you know, I don't know how they would rectify or reconcile these things, I should say, with the House bill that you discussed earlier that did not have any exceptions whatsoever. Um, right. it, 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 this this kind of opens that door. It, it, it sounds like what the language here would do is was literally codify any kind of marriage that anybody believes in. I mean, I, I don't mean to be grotesque. But it doesn't even specify any longer men and women as human beings. In other words, we could see even interspecies marriage, and there are just enough loons out there that they could try to make that happen, and this would have to be respected by the states as a legitimate marriage. We have people identifying themselves as, quote-unquote, furries. They think they're cats. They think they're dogs. They're supposed to be respected as such and treated as such. Well, then, you know, this isn't a far leap to go into, you know, interspecies marriage like this. This is the... This is the grotesque nature of messing around with traditional, you know, marriage definitions. Right. It's terrible. Now, the House passed version is a free-for-all. It absolutely would allow polygamy and who knows what else to happen. Um, the Senate passed version has a little bit different language, and um, but it still subjects the marriage license licenses to the laws of the state. And so if the laws of a state change, say California wants polygamy to be on the books, then the federal law, if this would pass, would allow them to do that. And so that's that's where we're seeing the difference. And when those, uh, if, if this does pass the Senate, the Senate would have to come together with the House and negotiate mm-hmm. these terms because they are two different bills. And that means the guardrails that were put into place by the Senate will likely no longer be there because the House will want to strip those out. As weak so we as they were to start with, as weak as those right. guardrails were, they would even be you know struck down essentially in a negotiation with the House. Um, let, let me ask, because we've got time for about one more question here, uh, Tabitha. <laughs> Big picture here. Do you see this as I do as just a straight-up attack on the nuclear family as Marxism has promised and has uh, described as being necessary to create the kind of society, the anti-capitalist society that they believe in, anti-private property? They have said they need to disrupt or dismantle the Western nuclear family to advance that goal. Is that the bigger goal here, do you think, of those pushing these uh, uh, assaults on marriage? Oh, absolutely. Now, natural marriage isn't just a religious belief. It's a biological factor of a man and a woman who are designed to complement each other as well as the ability to procreate. And we know through studies that children thrive the most when they have a mom and a dad in the home with them. And so when you take that away, 
they aren't making decisions very well like they could have. And, you know, we're talking about the future of our nation. These The children now will be those who lead our country in the future. And so we have to protect them and make sure that they have a mom and a dad. And also, we want children at the same time. And so that means men and women should join in those unions and create children and and have a better society because that natural unity is going on. And so this is this is much deeper than just the political level. It's it's something that's very natural and that we should protect at all costs. Yeah, I think that's that's very well stated and in fact probably understated. We need to uh, we need to be very very aggressive and vocal about this. Contact your senators in this lame duck period. Rob Portman's on his way out the door. And Rob Portman, of course, we know famously changed his view on DOMA when he found out that his son was homosexual and uh, then said, okay, I agree with uh, same-sex marriages. Uh, But you've got to contact your senators, whether you're here in Ohio or whether you're around the country, and tell them to oppose this uh, because it opens the doors, especially if they have to negotiate with the House side, like you say, that is a free-for-all. It it really is an attack on virtually everything in our culture and everything in our our civilized society. Uh, Tabitha... Uh, Walter, Executive Director of Eagle Forum, thank you for shining a light on this. Uh, please keep us uh, posted if you find out any new uh, information about where this is headed, and we hope to talk to you again then. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Tabitha Walter from Eagle Forum. Check that story out, by the way, at eagleforum.org, eagleforum.org. I'll tweet about it, too, because it's important that we stop this in its tracks. Freedom of religion, gone. First Amendment, Gone. If this passes and we are unrecognizable down the road as a society, we'll be back.